0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito
1: to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thief ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito you're listening to Dave and Dia, a podcast about basketball, life, and the Portland Trailblazers. Please keep all hands and arms inside the window and welcome your hosts. Dave Deckard and Dia Miller. Hello, Trailblazers fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast—the bestest little Trailblazers podcast there ever was. And it's not because of me. I'm just plain old Dave Deckard from Blazers Edge, but I am here with the patron saint of rainbows, unicorns, and Anthony Simons, Dia Miller, and she is the sole reason that we are so great. With that intro, how are you dia tonight
0: i'm gonna need that on a shirt first of all sometimes we film film because you know this is i
1: can i mean i can see you too i mean we should be on film we are frankly that good looking i mean we are the best looking podcasters that there's there's ever been but that went without saying until we got to episode 13 without saying that but anyway sometimes we record
0: when we yeah sometimes we record this Late at night after a game, which is clearly showing up in my inability to speak normal sentences, somewhere along the line I got old and I stopped being able to stay up past 10 o'clock. And now I'm... (laughs) I'm over here babbling and not stringing sentences together, and I don't know what happened to me. Where did my youth go?
1: Meanwhile, I'm like 22 because I'm up till 2.30 every (laughs) night working and like getting up the next morning to do it again. So, hey, I guess, you know, I'll take it, man. Odd things aside, if there were any for you, would you want to live through your 20s again or do you prefer post-20s life, honestly? hell no.
0: <laughs> no. No, no, I would not. I you know, I'm I'm 35. It took getting into this period of my life to really kind of figure out who I was and what I wanted out of life. I feel like in your 20s, you spend so much time just trying to get your feet under you and figure out anything. I would not go back and do that. No. Nope. I'm good. I'm good with getting older. I'm good with being in a place where i feel like i know who i am i'm confident in that i don't feel like i have to really do so much to please everybody else i think my 20s was filled with a whole lot of that
1: then yeah. there is hope for Damian lillard carmelo anthony and soon cj McCollum. they're entering the best years of their I'm, life
0: i'm the same age as carmelo anthony that's oh, always the weird oh, or i man. guess i think he's a year older but that's always a weird thing because Like, I watch sports and I think of these people as being significantly older than me. Like, they're actual adults. And then when they say, like, some kind of comment about Melo or LeBron and how they're old and they're, like, 35, 36, I'm over here like, wait a second. (laughs) I'm going to take offense to that.
1: Well, you know, Melo's got... Better hops, but Dia's got better legs. We all know this. So, in any case,
0: (laughs) well, Melo, Melo's over here, you know, moving up the all-time scoring list, and I'm over here getting out of bed in the morning, hoping that my knees aren't popping, and I'm like actually able to walk across the room without falling over. So they're clearly athletically, I am, I can't can't keep up with. I mean, obviously, you overtrained as a teenager. I
1: mean, that's that's the long and short of it. Go with that. We'll go with that. Yeah, exactly. So the Blazers uh, beat Orlando tonight. Not a huge surprise, but the way they did it is interesting. They kept a lead, finally. They kept basically a double-digit lead most of the game and didn't give it up. And the timing, the waves in which the attack came. Now, both teams are very, very injured. This is two of the most injured franchises in the NBA, so things were a little bit odd. But you had Gary Trent Jr. going off early, staking them to a lead. Uh, Anthony Simons did a little bit in the third quarter, but what really happened is they protected the lead to the half, and Damian Lillard came out right after halftime and scored like 18 points in the third quarter, said, "I'm, we're not going to let you come back, period. It's some of that killer instinct that we were talking about last week. That didn't extend the lead because the defense wasn't fantastic, but it was enough to keep the lead solid. And then... In the fourth quarter tonight, the the part of Damian Lillard will be played by Carmelo Anthony, who basically came in and did the same thing at the start of the fourth, poured in a bunch of buckets, shot three-pointers, and kept that lead solid. And they cruised home. They could rest Dame late. It was everything you wanted against a weaker team. And yet, it was so much of what Portland doesn't give on a regular basis. So this was a pretty nice game.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to watch a game and not feel stressed. I don't know how many times a season in the last two minutes of the game I literally have tweeted, this is how I die. Because I'm so on the verge of losing my mind. These 7 o'clock games, West Coast time, kill me because I only have my kids every other week. So the weeks that I have them, I miss half the game because my, my boys go to bed. I lay down with them at seven. I've got half an hour where I'm like trying to watch on my phone. And if they're playing Houston, I'm not sure who's making a basket because the colors are the same. And my phone is two inches big, two inches, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And I and then I, I'm up and I have a little bit of time with my daughter before I put her down to bed. And so all of that time, like she, she likes to watch the games with me. So I'll get a little bit in there, but it's just so broken up. And it's one of those things where, especially because I kind of try to follow along on Twitter, I don't really want to go back and watch it late. Like, I want to see it live. And so I, on these nights where I've got my kids and I'm putting them to bed and the game is at 7, I feel like I'm getting such a, like, hit or miss view of the game. And I think that's one of the things that was actually so nice about tonight is, like, every time I check or I check the score, like, we were good. I didn't feel panicked. I didn't feel like, oh, my gosh, like something's going to happen, like there's going to be some huge comeback that I'm going to miss, like no, we're just playing a normal basketball game and just, you know, doing normal keeping the lead kind of things.
1: You're absolutely correct. There's a big fat Venn diagram that intersects romantic relationships, doctor visits and trailblazers games. And they're always stressful, right? So, finally, we had a healthy relationship. Finally, the doctor (laughs) said, what are you doing in here? It's okay, you're fine. And finally, the Blazers just beat somebody by double digits, and it was good. Now, again, youthful exuberance and shooting, combined with veteran savvy, really conspired to win that. The other thing that happened is Ennis Kanter was a little bit occupied with Nikola Vucevic, so the forwards picked up the rebounding. Derek Jones Jr., not a lot of dunks tonight, not a lot of scoring tonight, but had six, count them, six offensive rebounds. That's like a double canter, And Covington had, I think, 11 total rebounds, something like that. So between them, they really became another center. And, and a that face was mask fantastic. Spike. Yeah, and oh, well also yeah, face match, I wasn't gonna talk about that, but yeah, in any case, it was the impolitest use of a mask since uh, the target protests. So anyway, you get the idea. Everybody stepped up in the way that was needed to beat this opponent. And it was nice to see. Now, the caveat, of course, is Orlando was not going to win this game. I mean, they just they didn't have enough firepower. Terrence Ross went off, and Vucevic did fine. But they, they, they're just not capable. So you can't build on it and say, yeah, we can do this against the Clippers and against the Jazz. and it's, uh, But at least somewhere in there, you know they know how to win. <laughs> it just, you would like to see it on a regular basis.
0: It's interesting the psychology of being a Blazer fan. I don't remember a time where I sat down just confident that we were going to sail through a game. <laughs> like even the games that should be easy wins, I'm always like, "Okay, but something could something." I mean, I always I always think they're going to pull it out and win at the end, but I'm I always like buckle up for a roller coaster ride of a game. And it was funny because I checked the schedule wrong and I thought we were playing the 76ers tonight. I sat down to watch it and I was like, wait, this is the magic. And I just kind of went, ah. and then we played well and it was great, it was fun. It's fun to watch a team play well and not lose a lead or not get injured or whatever. <laughs> this is what like real that, teams feel like. When was the last like? time that happened? <laughs>
1: Yeah. No, that? Exactly. I said, this is what real teams feel like. <laughs> it's nice.
0: I mean, I... I but see, like, Oh, see, no, oh I said, in-
1: I lit the fuse. I'm sorry, folks.
0: There's also a sense in which, like, do you want to just sit down and, like, watch your team win <laughs> all the time? Oh, or do you want to see them fight for it? Do you want to see him come from behind? Oh, do you want to be excited? We lose do, leads
1: like, you, because it's more exciting.
0: Do you want to watch the movie that's predictable, that you know what's going to happen at the end, or do you want to watch the movie that has twists and turns and keeps you on the edge of the seat? And at the end of it, you're like, "That was such a good movie."
1: I can handle Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer twists and turns. I'm not so much crying game twists and turns like when it comes to basketball. I'm, I'm okay. I don't need, I don't need M. Night Shyamalan as the head coach coach uh i'm okay with just a little bit of drama so look i mean you mentioned the 76ers wonderful wonderful win now granted no ben simmons but great win yes i mean that was fantastic yeah, road game was, loved it it looked like joellen Embiid we was going to go off
0: we went into that game we did not have dame the only starter that we had was robert covington We only dressed nine guys. This takes me back to the Anthony Tolliver game that we always talk about, where it was just like, you're throwing anything you can at the other team. And I felt like going into this, we're dressing nine players. We've got one starter available and we're going up against the number one team in the East. Even I didn't really expect to win this game. Even I was just like, okay, my hope is that I can look at this. I mean, kind of like we talked about before, where like, I want to look at this and see the good things that come out of it. What we do here, or who stands out, or who gets a little more playing time than normal because we're down so many players and how they do. I was ready to watch the game like that. And then we kept up with them. The first quarter came and we kept up with them. At halftime, we were tied. Like we stayed with them and somehow managed to pull it off.
1: After, after a LB, billion points by Joel Embiid. I mean, just literally, Embiid was crying, yeah. yeah. and tied at the half. I nice. mean,
0: you, he was playing a good game, and and it wasn't like we were playing a version of the team that sucked. Like they were playing it. We just we played good defense, which was exciting to see. CJ Ellaby came out, man. I mean, I am all for an underdog story. You know my obsession with the, the stories of these players and. Whatever, but like CJ Ellaby, nobody really knew who he was. We drafted him in the second round. He hadn't really had a lot of playtime. That the the playtime he did have didn't really go great, and then he got pulled out. And here he is in a position where he has to play because we don't have a lot of options. And he came out and he played like a whole basketball player. I mean, he was—he looked like a full-on player. He was out there. He had a killer. Game and man was that fun to see it was he wasn't doing anything crazy fancy he came out he played smart basketball he looked for the right moves and he and he did those things and his confidence seemed to soar and man it was fun to watch it was so fun to that is a game I think that I will probably always remember and it'll be fun to look back 5-10 years down the road when he's been in the league and he's doing whatever it is he's doing and he is wherever he is and, and think I remember that game. I remember that first game that he really played. I mean he played other games, but like the first game he really played where he just really came into into his confidence. That was it was fun to watch.
1: Ella B., the confidence I think you're right on, and for New Simons too, with that quick release three yep. and he's just make or miss and, and Bamford, he, again this kind of yeah. what you said about like the injuries creating space and it's not just space for playing time I think it's space for there's no way I'm getting pulled from this game there's literally no one yeah. else behind me so well, I I go out and they told me to play my game because that's all they got yep. I'm gonna go out and play my game
0: well and what do you have to lose at that point you're literally our, our bench was our starters and so you're putting our starters out there and you're putting the backups out there. They know going into this, we're playing against the number one team in the East. Nobody's expecting us to win. We're not going to let anyone down here. So we might as well just play. And they played. And, I, you know, there's a part of me that wonders, like, like, is that part of what we're missing? Like, do we need to just stop overthinking things and just come out and play? Is there a sense in which these guys just came out? They put it out there. they They did what they know how to do and they didn't worry about it like they were clearly not worried they were taking shots they were playing defense they were they were doing what they're taught to do they're doing what they know how to do And it worked. It worked for them.
1: I think everybody gets that learning curve, except it's accelerated in a situation like this, where, again, literally, you just go out and play like you play because you're going to get your minutes no matter what. Uh, But I think every rookie or every young player has to go through that adjustment period. I think it's easier on some teams. I think some veterans and some coaches are kind of set up more to promote that process. Uh, Portland, I think, is not bad at that. Uh, But... Again, I think it really helps that they're in the situation they're in. But look, again, a coaching thing. You know, people are saying stops this and stops that. Not every rookie would be encouraged to go out there and do that, especially not to take those shots that Ellaby and Simons are taking. A lot of them would here in the old school. I mean, I'm pretty sure Chuck Daly would have said – You go out there, and we're going to play you, but you pass to that guy. And if you take a shot, (laughs) it better be a mistake, or the shot clock better be expiring, right? And And Terry Stotts has always had the green lights for his players, no matter who they are. If I'm going to put you on the floor, you play.
0: And it's not just Stotts. It's also the other players on the team, the veterans on the team, the guys that have been on the team they're allowing that too. They're encouraging of that too. They are encouraging these guys to go out and play and do what they do. They are showing that they have faith in them and and in their ability to do that. You know, we've seen so much, I've seen at least, and I'm sure you have too, so much press about where where the guys are talking them up and saying how great they are. And, you know, the the article that we've referenced before where Dame said that he felt like Ant was prepared to be in that spot. And I think having the confidence of the other players has to be huge because if you're a rookie or a young player or a two-way player and you're coming in in this situation and the guys on your team, the veterans on your team, the stars on your team are down on you or like, man, like I need to be in there. You can't handle this or whatever. That's going to be a little bit of a hit to your confidence. This culture in Portland is one where they're encouraging and they really build these guys up from the ground. I think one of the things that Portland is well known for is its ability to grow these players, build these players into these players. What is the word that I'm looking for?
1: Well, I mean, Um. the one you're really looking for, I think, is to reclaim players. That's what Portland is better at, honestly, than growing up young players, because you get guys like al Aminu or Mo Harkless or Ed Davis. Now, Ed Davis looked good a lot of places, but he really looked good in Portland. Obviously, Aminu played the best ball of his career. A lot of players have played the best ball of their career in Portland, if they're journeymen. Some of the young players also have some have not I mean you get Myers Leonard whom I love but Myers didn't blossom into what he's supposed to be Zach Collins still I know injuries are part of that but even when he wasn't injured Zach was still very much in that learning curve and it was up in the air so I think you're correct but I think probably that the Blazers are more hit and miss with that but lack of trying is not one of their faults they will let a young guy play
0: Development is the word I was looking for. They're good at developing their players. I feel like they are, they're good at a guy like Ant or like Gary Trent Jr., or like, I mean, Dame didn't really need a lot of developing, kind of figured it out on his own. But these guys that they will bring in from the draft that are young talent, they're good at developing that talent.
1: Well, I mean, view. even Dame, though, I mean, he got the green light early. And you're like, yeah. duh, he's Damian Lillard. But you know what? He wasn't Damian Lillard right. when right. he was drafted. He was a project. I mean, not not like right. a center project that's stiff that can't play, but he was not the first player selected in the draft or the second or the third. He was a small college guy with a big time uh, confidence that they just said, okay, go out there and parlay that into good play. And by the way, he was staring across the court at LaMarcus Aldridge, who A, very much had not been told the same thing when he was a rookie, and two, had earned every ounce and every possession that he got by honing his skills, by being patient, by fitting into the offense. And all of a sudden, here's this kid who comes out of Weber State, for God's sake, and is is able to jack up all these shots and take over a game. And you know what, though? The shots were good. I mean, yeah. it looked good. I mean, he would later become much better. But this worked. And that's been a hallmark of Stotts's, as you say, developmental curve since the onset.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I say that kind of in jest. I, obviously, nobody comes into the, the NBA and, and is a star instantly. Everybody takes time to develop and, and become who they're going to be as a player. But I, I do think that Portland does that well. I think, you know, we're seeing the result of that.
1: Yeah. So now. We say all of this, and they have a wonderful, you know, filet mignon game in Philadelphia. And then they go and play I Can't Believe It's Not Basketball in New York.
0: Wait, before it? we go there, yes. I have to say one more thing on that topic. I don't know if you caught CJ McCollum tweeting the game, uh-huh. but one the funniest things he said was that that he said something to the effect of well clearly we were holding them back from their potential and it was just such a great (laughs) just such a great and it goes to that again you know this this encouragement and this support of that team and of the the young guys that they're that they're bringing up I just I just thought that was great but Yeah. yeah Go ahead.
1: I mean, the the next. Yeah, better. Less said the better. I mean, I get it. End of a long road trip, lack of, you know, energy perhaps or what have you. But it does show the up and down nature. Look, they're a sailboat. They're not a battleship. And the way the wind is blowing is the way they're likely to go unless they work real hard and we need to develop uh, an onboard motor there somewhere.
0: Sailboats?
1: Well, no, I mean...
0: A sailboat?
1: Yes, because the sailboats are blown by the wind. I mean, the environment really affects a sailboat as opposed to a battleship that will just plow against anything and make not we have
0: like a middle ground, like like something that's a step down from a battleship, but not quite a sailboat?
1: Well, it has to be sails, otherwise (laughs) the metaphor doesn't work because of the wind. You stick a a motor on that thing and it's not going to... Anyway, hey, they're not, you know, an outrigger canoe they're not an ultralight Ooh, ultralight remember prices right like okay showcase showdown and like the person's going like ooh, ooh, what's it going to be and inevitably it would be the second showcase so they'd be like i have no choice over this and they'd be like your main prize in this showcase is an ultralight and they'd go hey what the heck is that and they'd look at it they go wait you mean a lawnmower tied to a kite i'm not i don't want that and then you, you seen those things? Like it's a motor no. with a, okay, uh, this is wasted on you. Podcast audience, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, just think of kind of like Myers Leonard. Like it's cool and fun sometimes, but you only bring it out once a year and uh, it might be a little dangerous. So uh, in any case, back to the Knicks, it was a bad game. It was a tough effort. Their fatigue showed, I think, but also, yeah. look, I get in the macro sense, the tired thing that works. But somewhere in there, you got to have a spark on some plays. And it just kind of, it wasn't, it was one of those where, like, they knew it. Every play kind of dissolved into that.
0: I don't really buy the tired thing. Like, I I think in some circumstances, I get that. Like, that we had, we've we've been in situations where that would fly. I don't think this is one of those. It was a six-game road trip. I know it was a pretty quick road trip. There was a lot of travel. I get that. But the Knicks, to their credit, they're not as bad as they have been in the past. But it's a game that we should have probably been able to win. Looking at this road trip going into it, I was kind of hoping like that we would come out of it at least three wins. I did not anticipate that we would win against the 76ers, and I did anticipate that we'd win against the Knicks. So I guess, again, you know, like we say over and over again, a win is a win.
1: Interesting part about the Knicks game for us, though, probably. Julius Randle. You kind of like Julius Randle, huh?
0: I do. I do like Julius Randle, and it's interesting because he's a good player. There's no questioning that like I feel like he's getting better like Mm -hmm. I feel like he's one of those guys that we're gonna see him continue to get better you know the last time we played the Knicks there was a whole little thing with him and he fouled out and it was a whole thing and uh, I'm just gonna show my true colors here for a second and say that was the moment I really decided I loved him because he handled it well he wasn't a jerk about it. He had a good sense of humor about it. And those are the kind of guys I like to watch. I mean, we, we, there's no secret about that. Personality-wise, but also in skill and his play playability, I, I, I would like to see him in Portland, honestly. I think he'd be a fun addition to the team chemistry-wise, and I think he would be a good fit skill-wise and, and game-wise.
1: Really good offensive player. I think within a system he could play, I'd be, I'd like to have really strong defenders around him, and I'm not sure that that exactly exists right now, but depending on what move was made for him, I, I think I could certainly agree with you. I think he's got upside and potential. I just don't think he's the guy to take over a franchise and lead it at this point, and I'm no. not sure he ever will be, but Portland doesn't need that.
0: No, we don't. We don't need that. I, and I think his, I think his defense is a step up from some of
1: <laughs> from the twelfth <laughs> leading scorer in NBA history. Uh, in any case, uh, so now that we've led you down the primrose, oh, just got that. Now that we've led you down the primrose path, what would you trade for him?
0: No, I'm not going there. You can't no. make me.
1: No. CJ, if they if they I, gave up, I, I, New York, I don't think would want CJ. But if that were I'm available, what you up do? CJ. Okay, no, so I'm so not you want to keep CJ. Dame CJ and put Julius Randall on the team? Yeah, I'm not sure Dave, that works.
0: Dave, I want I, I want a 20 man roster. That's the truth. <laughs> I just give them give me all of them. It's like Pokemon. Gotta catch them all. Just <laughs> give them.
1: Get just literally give, <laughs> 42 players them. that Dia likes. That's what we call this. I want, we have turned I the GM regulator off.
0: I want a team that I want to hang out with.
1: (laughs) Okay. So Dia's on the throne and all these NBA players are like fanning her with feathers. No,
0: I know. I I just want to, I just want to like, you know, I want to like watching them. I, the truth is I don't want to think about trades yet. I'm not ready. I can't do it. I know it's coming. I know I'm going to have to, I know we're in a unique spot as far as I'm concerned this year, probably not anyone else, but as far as I'm concerned, we're in a unique spot because usually There are a couple guys where I'm like, "Eh, I don't really care if he goes. I, you know, as long as he's happy, as long as he's good, like send him off. This year, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to have a hard time with any trade we make because I've gotten attached. That's the truth.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we should make Dia GM because she would just call up the opposing executive and say, I want Julius Randall. And it's like, what do you want to trade for him? No, I don't want to trade anybody. I just want him. I like him. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't me. argue with that. Give, me. give me that. <laughs> wow.
0: Okay. I know that there's going to come a time where we're going to have to have these conversations. And I'm going to have to get down to it. I'm going to have to say it is well, February.
1: Dia. It is February. It is getting late. I mean, Christmas is well past. January is done.
0: On my list of things to talk about is Gary Trent Jr. Because he has been a big topic of that. He's been a big topic of All there. right. Well, got I Gary, mean... Got I, CJ.
1: I think we've, we've hacked the games and the various players in them to death now. So go ahead and what else is on the... Uh, for, well, I, well, let's say. Well done on the road trip. Well done.
0: Yeah. And I, I, good I, job I'm to come
1: back for the it. win.
0: Yeah, I'm happy with it. I think it could have gone a lot worse. And <laughs> it didn't. I think...
1: Oh, my God. oh, I have a good friend who actually our video coordinator at the other place who will n- never says, like, that was awesome. It's like, well, I didn't hate that. And no. I didn't hate that. It's the, it's the pinnacle of it's like, how was the no. road trip? I didn't hate it. I didn't hate I it. I
0: think I'm, we did well. But you also you have to remember, like, we went into this. I think you asked me and I'm like, well, we could win them all. So you, for me, like, it could have been worse. We could have lost more than we did. And that would have been a reasonable thing. I think going on a road trip like that with as many injuries as we had, with the teams that we were taking on, with as much travel as was happening, three and three is good. I, I'll take that. I'll take that any day on this in this situation. And, you know, a, again, and a win
1: at home after. So four and three yeah. uh, through the danger game. So, yeah, I mean, and again,
0: we're maintaining right now. We're trying not to sink. Well, I have ship metaphors in my head now. Sorry. We're trying not to sink while we're waiting for CJ and Nurk to get better. We're just trying to maintain our spot. We're trying to not fall apart. Keep and, an even keel. Yeah, Yeah, we just need to get them back. So yeah. I will take I will take three and three. Or, well, now, like you said, four and three. That's, we'll just add that in there because, you know, a win. Because it works. Yay.
1: Yeah, that's the horn on um, the unicorn right there, the Orlando game.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it, it's been fun to watch. Another one we need to talk about is Anes. Inez. Why somebody told me I say his name wrong. Mr. Ennis? Cantor. It's Ennis, huh? <laughs> Ennis
1: Why is it Cantor. so hard? Ennis.
0: I've always called him Inez. I guess it's Ennis. Anyway. He's an interesting one because I feel like on other teams that he's been on, he's been kind of, you know, he he's he's a good player, but it's not in a sense of what he is to us. To us, he's been invaluable. He's been a solid piece of what we need i i said on twitter today i compared him to a spice when you you put him on the wrong thing and he tastes awful but you put him in the right place and and it's a delicacy you know he he's he fits well with what we're doing he's really doing well for us right now
1: and the right place is the offensive glass and that is fantastic and he also again he hustles up and down the court that's Look, there's no argument. There's no argument that he's the right player for right now. Whether he's the right player for always remains to be seen. But look, Nurkic came into this season, wasn't doing well, then Nurkic got injured. And who's, as we said at the beginning, who's the closest player to Yusuf Nurkic that is in the NBA as far as playing style? it's Cantor. So you take it and he plays his heart out. He plays with enthusiasm. He fits in. He's a monster on the glass. One of the best offensive rebounders in the game, and he can turn it into possessions and points instead of just stats. So uh, you got to love him. No, no argument there.
0: We have to say this. And I say this gladly because once again, I was right, but Anthony Simons, Anthony Simons has been coming through. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago that we talked about that, 10
1: minutes ago, actually. But yeah,
0: yeah, we've talked about him a few times. I just I'm excited about him. I think he's he's doing well. I think he's playing the potential that we all knew he could. And we just haven't seen recently because he's had some flashes in in the last couple of years where he's done this. But he's doing it fairly consistently, at least right now. So hopefully he can hold on to that.
1: It's all in the shot. I mean, his shot is falling much of the time. Not all the time, but like tonight's game against Orlando, it was disguised because Trent was hot when Simons was off. And Simons was hot when Trent was off. And it worked out. So basically his weaknesses are being well disguised right now most nights. And when they're not, it's usually the game is more or less out of reach anyway so it won't make a difference so there's little to criticize him about right now for the situation he's in and i think that as long as his shot's falling that the blazers will have relatively little complaint with him at this point
0: point. and you bring up gary Trent jr and it's been fun to watch and i i've seen some talk now with people saying hopefully, you know, as well as Gary Trent Jr. and as well as Ant has been have been playing and even some of these other guys, hopefully they'll rest Dame and CJ a little bit more than they have in the past. Well obviously when CJ comes back, but Dame in the meantime as well, hopefully they won't it won't fall quite as much on them to play forty one minutes. Yeah, but that Um, that never,
1: ever happens. And they won't play 41, but it never happens because the Spectre is still the near 500 or slightly above 500 record. And as long as you're not winning every game, you feel pressure to do something better. And that something better usually means playing the two guys that you know are All-star level. So, I mean, I I think so, too. I think that should happen, too. By the way, I think the Blazers probably should have bitten the bullet on that earlier than they have, that they've relied way too much on McCollum and Lillard... Minutes over the years. And I understand that the backups weren't that great, but this discipline of playing somebody else and not just going back to whatever your security blanket is probably would have helped this team long term better than what has happened. But that said, when Dame is an all NBA player, when CJ is scoring 22 a game, and when they are building their brands and their reputations too, that's awfully hard to do in the short term, especially when you really want to win this game.
0: I think we've got some players that can really step up here if given the opportunity. I don't think that's been the way that Portland's done things. I don't I wonder how much of that is even Dame himself. Like he that man, you have to pull him kicking and screaming off the court. Like he's going to play every possible second kicking and screaming. I mean, obviously not. He isn't doing that. But you know what I mean? Like he he's going to push to play every second that they're going to let him play. So I, I don't know. I, that's a tricky thing. But Gary Trent Jr. has has been, again, incredible for us this year. And, and there's a lot of talk. Oh, there's a lot of talk that I don't like, that I don't know how to handle about Gary Trent Jr. and CJ McCollum because obviously they are kind of playing similar spots. They're, similar. It's know- the
1: same position. I know you're soft peddling it because it hurts. It's hard. We got to rip the Band-Aid off here. And the problem with Trent is not just that he's duplicating McCollum's position. It's that he has no contract next year. So they're either going to have to pay him well, or they're going to have to let him go. And they can't really afford to pay him well if they're already paying $50 million to a backcourt to be a $50 million backcourt. And letting him go would be a crime given what he has shown. So they're going to need to make a decision, probably not that they want to with talent or roster position or depth, but it's simply going to be financial reality. And by the way, Gary Trent Jr., even if they made his dreams come true, he's going to want playing time based on how he's playing. I mean, look, the last two weeks... It's been a little bit when Gary Trent has been hitting shots and playing well, the Blazers also do well. When he's not, you can flip a coin. He's been pretty pivotal, and he knows it. So there's no incentive for him to sign up again for any amount of money that has him coming back for 15 minutes a game. He wants, I'm sure, a bigger role and a chance to shine, just like CJ would have been at that age and that relative position too. So the Blazers are not going to be able to solve that. So it's either trade him or trade CJ or you're probably going to lose Gary. So folks, this really is unlucky 13 episode because I just got finished making a point about Gary Trent Jr. and our internet crash and I cannot get Dia back. So we're going to have to finish this one up without her or well, maybe actually we can channel Dia. Let's see. I claimed that they uh, can't keep Trent and they can't keep CJ because Trent will want more responsibility and more money that they're willing to give. Let's see. Dia would probably say, but Dave, that sounds reasonable. I will admit that. Even I will admit that. And maybe I'm too rainbows and unicorns. But Gary Trent Jr. loves this team. There is such a chemistry, and I cannot believe that he would go somewhere else where... He might not like it as much where he doesn't have the same teammates and he might not even win more just for a few million dollars. And I can't believe that the Blazers would hold that back when he's done so well. I mean, why would they bring him up to this point anyway if they weren't going to keep him? I think everybody likes him. I think you talk about depth for years and years and you finally get it and you shouldn't give it away. So the Blazers need to keep CJ and the Blazers need to keep Gary Trent. Jr., and at the end of the season, they just need to go and sign him. And that's the way it works in my world. And you know what? My world is the way things should be. So there you go. Maybe you don't agree with it, but that's where I'm standing. And you know what? I would say, um, okay, Tia, that's probably the optimal solution. I I don't think they can do it, but I kind of wish that too. And I can see where you're coming from. Well, that's good, Dave, because, you know, I think that when you do good things, good things will happen. And maybe it's pie in the sky, but that is how I want the world to work. And if it doesn't, it really should. Okay, okay, I give up. You are right. You are correct. The Blazers should keep CJ. They should keep Gary Trent. They should keep Ennis Cantor. They should keep Carmelo Anthony. Just build that 42 person roster, add Julius Randle, add LeBron James, add Kevin Durant, and we'll see if we can get a championship. And with that optimistic note, We will say goodbye to the cursed and technically challenged 13th episode of Dave and Dia. For the mostly absent Dia Miller, I am Dave Deckard. We will see you again next week, hopefully with technical issues resolved and a brand new perspective on the Blazers. This has been Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge production. Find more basketball talk at BlazersEdge.com. Watch your step as you exit, and we hope to see you again soon. Dave and Dia, what is that? A Swedish skin cream company? Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.